the Crossroads Music Podcast once again here at twitch.tv slash the Crossroads Music Podcast. And with me is my co-host, Eric. And I did not hear that uh, bottle That's open okay. at all. Uh, I shook it and uh, I, I can't, I don't know if you could tell from the camera, it's like protruding out Uh-oh. just a tad. So I didn't Uh-oh. want it to, you know, bust out essentially. <laughs> Yeah, we'd have to end the stream, like, instantly. Exactly. We can do some cleanup. Uh, Eric, what is your drink of choice for today? Today, I'm going with a stout. It's stout season. Oh, it's going to... Oh, no. Okay, we're good. Uh, <laughs> today, we're going with a stout. It's called Blackmail Northwest Stout. Um, okay. And I'll show you guys the label. Ooh. That's it's pretty cool. It's supposed to be... Odin's Raven. So I will read you this uh, at the back. So this is from um, Strange Fellow Brewing, which I have no idea where it is because there's actually no like. Usually it says from this place. It's not. Uh, anyways, so dispatched each day at dawn, Odin's two ravens fly the world over, bringing news from the land of men back to Norse god. By nightfall, what secrets do they gather as they spy them? high or savage from the leavings of men? Next time the birds call at your door, perhaps a glass of blackmail with its rich, round, and slightly sweet character will still their extort, extortive tongues. Will still their extortive tongues. Wow. <laughs> I fucked that up. <laughs> nice. But And for good. the uh, taste review... What Eric says. That's pretty good. That's nice. pretty good. Okay. It's got a like a it's it's perfect for the cold weather coming in. It's to sit down and have a... so much over here. Are you getting rain over there? <laughs> uh we did, but now uh, today was like completely sunny. Um, so it was like it was like high of eighteen. Oh nice. You know, nice weather, nice little breeze going, you know. Nice. Yeah, it's yeah. just downpour for like three days straight now oh that's awful. crazy ah uh, anyways uh yes we are the crossroads music podcast we talk about music usually uh but mm-hmm. we usually ramble on them at the very beginning and you know, we eventually get to music but today exactly. is a very special episode uh mm-hmm. because today we are going to be focusing on uh, a very specific album by one of if not my favorite band of all time. Um, today we are uh, going to go over uh, the Black Album by Metallica and also mm-hmm. me- the Metallica Blacklist that was uh, released earlier this month. Uh, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go through all of that today. Uh, and because uh, we just don't have the time to fit everything, we are going to be dropping the mixtape battle today and also the quote of the week by Anthony Kiedis. So don't expect that at the, at the very end, uh, but we are going to be talking a lot of Metallica uh, on this episode. But Eric, we usually start this off with what we've been listening to uh, the, this past week. So Eric, what have you been listening to? Uh, so I... This came in, it came into my playlist. This band, uh, I've never heard of them before, but they, I think they've been around for a little bit. It's called His Golden Messenger. Golden, interesting. I've never heard of this band. Yes, 
Uh, it's like an alternative, like psalm writing band, and uh, one of the songs, uh, if it comes in the morning, great tune, great like kind of Bob Dylan feel to it mm-hmm. with like a bit mixed a bit with like uh, City and Color. Okay. Um, but the rest of the album is kind of boring. <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, but, which I found interesting because I'm like, oh, these guys are like, oh, I like this song. I'll check out the album. And I, it just d- deterred me. Glowing um, endorsement, Eric. Glowing endorsement. I know. Glowing endorsement. <laughs> but if you, if that's your thing, is if boring is your thing, uh, go check out uh, Quietly Blowing, uh, yeah, Quietly Blowing It by uh, his Golden Messenger. That's and Tara spelled. H-I-S-S. That's a terrible album name. Or is that a song yes. name or an album name? That's the album name. That's a terrible so, album name. Yes, absolutely it is. Uh, I checked out uh, Dot the Daughtry album, the new one, Dearly Beloved. Um, it's not too bad. It it kind of feels like listening to like a punk album in the 90s. What? <laughs> the punk album? Like in the 90s? Well, like, like, like some like, 41? Sorry, got, like, yeah, some forty-one. Oh, interesting. Wait, why does which Do- is, but it has like that hard rock twist to it. It's it's interesting, but oh. but uh, I'm yeah, surprised. I'm surprised you even listen to the Daughtry album. I are you a fan of Daughtry? You know, he has a few songs that I like. Um, his first album was pretty good. Uh, like I usually like the singles off the album and that's pretty much it. And right. I feel like this is the same for this one, but it's, it's like, it's not a bad listen to like, just because I feel like there hasn't been really much new music mm. or good, like good new music. So I'm kind of just grasping at straws here. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> I, I have no, I have no interest in listening, whatever that man puts out. <laughs> uh, I did uh, check out, uh, end of me, um, by Billy Talent uh, mm. and Rivers Cuomo, and I absolutely love that song. It's that great. Song is awesome. I love that warm kind of Fender blues guitar sound yeah. uh, that comes in at the beginning. Um, yeah, that song is really good. Uh, so, which actually, after listening to that song, I'm not gonna lie, I've listened to a lot of Billy Talent. So <laughs> yeah, I went down that same rabbit hole when I listened to that song. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I gotta go listen to some Billy yeah. Talent now. It's just so good. <laughs> I was cleaning the house today, listening to like Try Honesty. <laughs> Try Honesty. <laughs> that that song was played too much here in in Canada. I mm. feel like it's a good song, but it was played way too much. Yes. Definitely. That music video was on uh, Much Music all the time. Yeah, it was on like every day. Yeah. Every time you, you turn on the channel, you would see Try Honesty. <laughs> <laughs> ben, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. Uh, What's up, Ben? Ju- we're just wrapping up on our discussion on Billy Talent. <laughs> yes. Uh, other than that, I did check out the uh, new singles on uh, the Old Dominion album, which is a country album. Um, really good songwriters. Uh, they have three singles out, uh, Hawaii, All I Know About Girls, and uh, I Was On the Boat That Day. Uh, very classic country song with a bit of a modern twist. So th- this is like, they do the modern twist well This mm. with country, not like the pathetic country that you get most <laughs> of the time nowadays. But That's good. Granted, that is all I've been listening to. What about you, my friend? Wonderful. Uh, honestly, I haven't been listening to anything. There's, uh, 
the only thing that I outside of the Metallica stuff, because uh, that's purely what I've been listening to, uh, Cradle of Filth released a uh, another single off their upcoming. I think it's 13th studio album that's going to come out. Uh, the, the album's called Existence is Futile. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the, the, the album. Uh, and the new single is called Necromantic Fantasies. Hmm. Um, here's the weird thing. The music video is Beauty and the Beast. Like, it's the plot of Beauty and the Beast. There is some sort of alien monster creature uh, that falls in love with a girl and the town people, like, go and hunt down the beast that that's the music video uh except it's in like cradle of filth style so like the the beast kills everyone and then the town people eventually kill the beast like there's blood everywhere in this music video so it's (laughs) it's the classic beauty and the beast story but with murder essentially it's the it's the rated r version yeah it's Um, the one that quentin tarantino directed for disney (laughs) and they're like sorry we don't want this exactly exactly and then like I listened to it and I was like, ooh, I wish Danny, and Danny's the uh, lead singer. Well, I guess the main, the main focal point of Cradle of Filth. But he's the, he's the lead singer and the, the, the lead of the band. Uh, but I was listening to it and I was like, oh, I, wish, I wish Danny would sing better. Because like, we all know he's a great singer. But like, on this specific mm-hmm. song, I was like, oh, I wish he would sing better on this record or on this song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, this song is, is sort of meh to me. And then I scrolled down to the comments and everyone's like, oh, this is like classic Cradle of Filth. Oh, this is like, this is like the best Cradle of Filth song in the past like 10 years. And I'm like, maybe I'm old now. Maybe I just don't know what, what is, what's good. You know, what, what the kids like these days. Mm-hmm. I understand Cradle of Filth is not a new band, but like my perception of what I listen to versus what, everyone in the comment section was saying, I was like, oh, there's a big disconnect between what I think and what everyone else thinks about this song. <laughs> so that was a sort of a weird moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that I'm a huge Cradle of Filth fan, but like, it's sort of in my realm of genre. And I was like, oh, I, I guess, I guess my opinion is wrong in this case. <laughs> um, so I was listening to that for a bit. Um, yeah, other than that, it's just been Metallica this whole time, which has been sort mm-hmm. of annoying, to be honest, as much as I love this yeah. band. Uh, but I, been, uh, yeah, we'll save that for the uh, whopping. <laughs> and uh, I yeah. guess I'm going to have to take a break from listening to Metallica <laughs> for a while. <laughs> uh, ben oh. has been listening to Lexus on Fire. Uh, right on. Old Crow, Young Cardinal album such a good album in my opinion okay i i think i never really got into lexus on fire surprisingly like i've i think i've seen them live once uh and i do enjoy their performances but i've never actually gone and like listened to anything by them i always get them confused with arcade fire Jesus, every that's single completely time, completely different. I know, which is completely. Everyone tells me that, but every single time, I'm like, wait a minute, which one is Alexis on fire again? Because they're both A <laughs> A F, yeah, yeah, A F, yeah. Um, wow, that's a weird two bands to mix together. I know it. It is for just for some reason, like, and I've and I know 
the bands, the music differently. Like I, I know that they're completely different. It's just for some reason my brain, I'm just like, wait a minute. I always think Alexis on fire is Arcade Fire, and Arcade Fire is Alexis on fire. So <laughs> that's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, at least they're both Canadian, I guess. That's the mm-hmm. consolation prize for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and growing up gaming, how's it going? Thanks for joining us in here. What's up, grown up gaming? Um. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who are joining us late, uh, we are pretty much going to focus on Metallica's Black Album and The Blacklist today. Uh, so we're dropping a few things. We're dropping the mixtape and we're dropping the quote of the week by Anthony Kiedis uh, just for this week. But they will return for the next episode, but we really need to squeeze in as much Metallica as possible. Uh, but yes. in saying that, let's go into a, a different segment today in history. This is our typical thing but uh today is september 23rd uh, and what we do here is we look into the past and see all the um all the significant things that happened uh in regards to music so eric a big one today in 1926 jazz saxophonist john coltrane is born in hamlet north carolina there's a sax player right there john coltrane is a beast I feel like if you have any, if you are getting into the saxophone, you need to go listen to this guy. <laughs> you need yeah. to go listen to John Coltrane right now. Just stop the podcast and go <laughs> listen to John Coltrane. Like just any jazz. Like if you just want to get into jazz music, mm-hmm. like there's Miles Davis and John Coltrane is like the tops. Like I, I can't, for me, John Coltrane is just the best jazz any mm-hmm. musician in general ever um, absolutely just don't go listen to kenny g and if anybody tells you to go <laughs> listen to kenny g just run away just just don't say anything and just run away right like and, and when we did our top 10 albums like last year uh i had john coltrane's love supreme um mm-hmm. on my top 10 and that honestly that album just does it for me every single time it just it's it's just a masterpiece it's so good mm-hmm. The uniqueness I love about John Coltrane is like as much as he plays the songs, it's every song he plays live is different. It always mm-hmm. sounds different. So like if you listen to a live version in New York versus a live version in like LA or wherever he's playing, like that same song will sound different each time. Yeah. Which it just shows you how just good of a musician is. He always he's always adding spice to to the songs, like, oh yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, Eric, another heavyweight on this day, 1930, Ray Charles is born in Albany, Mm. Georgia. There's a legend right there. Yeah. Ray Charles. Oh God. Like, man, it's, it's, his music is so good. Yeah. It's so soulful. Like what a, you know, you can't have a better duo. You got blues and gospel music. Yeah, I don't he, think there's another good, better duo out there. If there is, let me know. His voice was just great. Mm-hmm. Loved all this stuff. Um, and also, 1943. I don't know. Well, maybe in a in a different country, this might be bigger uh, significance. But 1943, Julio Iglesias is born in Madrid, Spain. <laughs> Julio Iglesias. 
<laughs> for for like musician musicians musicians right like Julio Iglesias whatever pop singer but if you go over to to Spain or in general Europe mm. Julio Iglesias is probably a bigger name than uh, Ray Charles or John Coltrane to be honest <laughs> like yeah, just the pop the pop stardom of of him is just like ridiculous yeah it's funny because a lot of those Spanish pop musicians like it's interesting because if you actually listen to their albums uh, or any of their music that's actually like in their language and was made like just specifically for spain kind of thing like it sounds a lot different like like it's just that of like pop song that occasionally comes out so Mm -hmm. like they have a lot of like flamenco guitar and stuff which is kind of neat but but yeah still not my jam yeah eric (laughs) One more big birthday for today, 1949. Bruce Springsteen, the boss, is born Ooh. in Long Branch, New Jersey. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, he's a beast. There's a lot of like, that's a lot of big names for, for today in terms mm. of people born. Like That is. Disney. That is. And if you have a birthday today, then you share those birthdays. You have a lot to live up to. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> you have to be just as good as them. <laughs> you have to be better than them. <laughs> uh, here's one thing. 1966, the Rolling Stones launch a tour at Britain's uh, Royal Albert Hall in London with Ike and Tina Turner as their opener. Interesting. Just imagine Tina Turner opening for you. That'd be... That would be that'd be crazy. That would be pretty crazy. <laughs> Uh, Although I think it would be odd if they opened for us because it would be two different sides of music. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> still, I would be like, I would just hell? quit. I would just quit if Tina Turner was on stage before me. I'm like, I can't follow that. Mm-hmm. There's no way. <laughs> uh, 1975. For the first time, Bruce Springsteen plays a medley of Little Richard songs to close out his show. This would become known as the Detroit Melody. Sorry, the Detroit medley and becomes a regular part of his show for about 10 years. Songs would include Jenny Take a Ride, Devil with a Blue Dress On, and Good Golly Miss Molly. Nice. It's interesting because uh, if you listen to the Chuck Berry documentary, um, Bruce Springsteen actually was the opener band, opening band a lot for, the, uh, for Chuck Berry. And he would actually play with them. He would use Bruce Springsteen and what are they what are they called e street band yeah the e street band they would use them he would use them as their their band so oh, he just come cool. out with his guitar and he'd be the, so that that's kind of neat uh i included this one because i just thought it was funny 1986 freddie jackson james brown and melba moore headline an anti-crack rally at new york's plaza hotel <laughs> that is funny <laughs> didn't help well, james high. brown well, but high on crack yeah <laughs> I can't believe they had an anti-crack rally. That seems like that seems like a strange thing to do. Mm. That's uh, definitely a publicity stunt right there. Yeah. Uh, we need I, to show the people that these guys don't do crack. Let's put on a <laughs> concert where they support non-crack users. Yeah. Didn't help. While they're high on crack. <laughs> Uh, 1996, and Eric, you're going to hate this, uh, Agnetha Faltskog, one of ABBA's two female leads, publishes their biography, As I Am. Sorry, I wasn't listening. 
<laughs> Next. Uh, another Rolling Stones story. 1997, the Rolling Stones Bridge... Bridges to Babylon tour opens in Chicago. Opening acts would include, and this is for their North American tour, Sheryl Crow, the Dave Matthews Band, the Smashing Pumpkins, Jamiroquai, Blues Traveler, and Foo Fighters. That's a big... Like, that's huge. <laughs> They're all opening for the Rolling Stones in 97. That's crazy. <laughs> That's those, insane. All those musicians are huge, and they're still opening <laughs> yeah. for Rolling Stones. <laughs> I know. You, you're huge, but you're not that huge. It's yeah. almost like remember your place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1998, the first ever Lilith Fair concert outside of North America takes place at London's Royal Albert Hall. Uh, I've said this before, but I really hope, uh, well, when concerts come back, I guess. I hope they do a little affair again one day just to highlight uh, female singer-songwriters. That would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on this day in 2003, Outkast's double album, Speaker Box and The Love Below, is released, which is a phenomenal record. It's is that a, the one with Heya? Yeah, the Heya's on that. Yeah, that's a good song. I like that one. Such a it's a weird album because it's technically two albums. So uh, the two main guys in there, uh, Andre Three Thousand and Big Boy. Big Boy would do the more uh, hip hop stuff, uh, which was the Speaker Box, which was disc one, and then disc two would be all Andre Three Thousand, which is the Love Below. Uh, so mm. technically, they are a band together, but they each individually did one disc. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting yeah it's an interesting way of doing it but that that double album is very good uh on this day in 2008 guns and roses uh appetite for destruction is officially certified for sales of 18 million dollars or sorry 18 million copies uh they overtake boston's self-titled album at 17 million to become the all-time best-selling debut album in america 10 year Sorry, and 10 years later, Hootie and the Blowfish earned the title when their album Cracked Rear View is certified at 21 million. Mm. I don't know why. I mean, I feel like. Like Hootie and the Blowfish. (laughs) Come on, Darius Rucker. He's amazing. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, uh, I think out of all those, Appetite Appetite for Destruction is. I don't know. I feel like it's more iconic than boston's <laughs> album hey, don't don't slag boston what's on that record anyways uh isn't that don't stop believing no no no. that's journey boston oh, would be great. uh boston carry, yeah, fuck, carry are, on my wayward two... son no oh, okay yeah that's right or is that kansas that's right no that's kansas oh, that's kansas boston yeah. See, is i always get those so that era of, of like foreigner and all those people they're all the same band. they're all the same band <laughs> yeah, they're all the same band uh more than a feeling yes is more that... than a feeling there it is thank you yeah, growing up okay. gaming i yeah. thought journey played that song. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> they probably did because they're the same band they're, they're all, all the same, the band. same band. <laughs> if you google the band members they're all the same uh on this day to uh september 23rd 2010 Katy perry's appearance on sesame street is edited out after viewers (laughs) complain about her revealing dress i do remember this happening and i was like this i don't remember this ridiculous it's because she basically showed her boobs on sesame street which is 
<laughs> Someone should have freaking told her not to wear such a low cut top. Yeah. Like it's a child we're, show. Were the acting puppets like just like right in there, right <laughs> in her cleavage, just just playing along with it? <laughs> it seems like I don't know how that slips through. Like the producers or the the writers or like the camera people. Like I don't know how that happens. Mm, I gotta see this. If grown up gaming is saying it's amazing, I've gotta check this out. I just don't so, know. It's so let's weird. Let's see what we got here. Um, but yeah, that happened happened today on this day on Sesame Street, and it caused a big outcry. Oh, it's Googled. It's Katy Perry Sesame Street dress. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, that's on a child gonna, show. I'm gonna get a close up for all you people here. There you go. Are you putting it on your phone? Look at freaking Elmo. Look at how happy Elmo is. Yeah, Elmo's very happy. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, that's too much. That's too much cleavage oh. for um for Sesame Street. There we go. That's hilarious. I think there's also another picture uh, with another shirt that she has uh, low cleavage on. Mm. I don't know. It's just I don't know who who fucked that up. <laughs> um. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I include this, but Eric, I'm going to tell you this anyways. 2011, following a Demi Lovato concert at the Nokia Theater, Justin Bieber takes his then-girlfriend, Selena Gomez, to the Staples Center, which he has rented out so they can enjoy a private showing of Titanic in the 20,000-seat theater by themselves. That's lame. (laughs) (laughs) That is lame sauce. I mean, if you have the money, I guess. Yeah. Rent out the whole freaking stadium. I don't know, like a stadium though, like really, like you're gonna choose a stadium, like yeah. because if you're gonna do that, you would choose like like a more of an intimate old theater kind of thing, and then you have like dinner down the street. Not like you're going to the ACC, you know, to watch to watch the Leafs play. You know? <laughs> just like just get off the subway and you just see a bunch of bums and just like oh just step over the bum selena we got a private show on of titanic it seems like too big of a venue mm-hmm. <laughs> uh r- renting out the sky dome for a romantic dinner would be dope i just feel like it's too big of a space yeah, you can go like take like an old theater, right? Like yeah. take an old theater in Toronto. Like what's that old one called? Eglinton Theater. Uh, the Eglinton Theater. Like rent that out. Yeah. Right? That's that's perfect. It's old, it's got historic value. You can wear a suit. They can be like, oh, this wood was here for like whatever, three hundred and sixty-five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and finally, on this day, September 23rd, 2019, Grateful Dead lyricist Robert Hunter dies at the age of 78. Again, I, I, I assume we're, we've already stated on this <laughs> podcast that we are not Grateful Dead. What, what are they called? Deadheads? That's what they call themselves? Deadheads. Deadheads? Yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing how big that band is. Right? Yeah, and, I, don't, and like, I don't know I why. don't know why, yeah. It They're like a strange. mediocre Guns N' Roses. Jesus, that's two. <laughs> that's two. Great. I have one already. No, no, no. My first one was, I don't oh. know why people like Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> uh, 
fair enough. Our mediocre guns and roses. I hate how guns and roses is spelled. Uh, guns space mm. apostrophe n space roses. I hate that. Yeah, I wish probably it was just because they were bad at spelling. I just wish it was. <laughs> I wish it was just guns and roses. Like I wish that apostrophe didn't exist. Yeah, or have that like that like letter for and that yeah. asterisk for and or yeah. whatever. Yeah, they so. could have done that, but they decided to put apostrophe n in their name. So. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Um. <laughs> anyways, um. Cool. So that was today in history. Uh, we do have uh. I have two pieces of news for you, and then I want to get into some uh, a small topic yes. before we get into Metallica. But the first one is, yeah. uh, recently, Alanis Morissette has blasted the released documentary called Jagged as salacious and not the story I agreed to tell. Her comments came earlier mm. this week, just hours before the HBO documentary Jagged premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. Although she did participate in the film, sitting for lengthy interviews, her publicist said that she is not supporting this documentary. Uh, although she hasn't specifically stated what she isn't pleased with, she states that this document uh, documentary includes uh, facts that are simply not true. Hmm. That's always tough because at least when I watch a documentary of, on music or bands, like I'm hoping that it's the right information being presented, right? Yeah. But but then it's like, okay, well, like, why aren't you supporting? Supporting it is because they're talking about like stuff that she's doesn't want people knowing mm-hmm. that they know kind of thing. Like, is it that or is it like, you know? Yeah, I'm sort of two minds about it. Is it like, is is it actually just telling lies about you or is it something that it just doesn't put you in a good light or you just don't want that sort of uh, spin on a certain story or a certain event in your life to be presented mm-hmm. that way? So I don't know. I, I always find it weird when uh, there's documentaries that come out that are always labeled as, um, what is it? Un, unofficial the unofficial documentary of of someone mm-hmm. or i just like wait should what i watch I this mean? then yeah, should i watch this then if it's not yeah. official i always find it weird that they make those and I'm like i don't think it's worth my time to watch this yeah no i know it's i like watching official stuff it's yeah, yeah it, it's one of those things it's like yeah is this information right like am i gonna learn something from this or yeah um, they're gonna say that like Atlantis Morissette wrote all the Beatles songs. <laughs> like, or like you know, some <laughs> just imagine. Um, and last piece of news: the Rolling Stones have played a 14-song warm-up show at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, with brand new drummer Steve Jordan, their first after the passing of Charlie Watts. Mm. So here's my thing with the Stones and. Um, when ZZ Top did like a show two days after, um, what's his name passed away? I forget. I can't remember. Yeah, Beard. Anyways, when he passed away, ZZ Top like literally did a show two days after his like funeral or something, and everyone was like in an uproar and just like, how can you do this? How can you play a show after he died so quickly? 
The Rolling Stones, on the other hand, I'm like, they might die tomorrow. So I feel like they need to do this show right now. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no, there's no, you need to wait for the Rolling yeah. Stones. It's literally no, get as many shows in as you can before you like fall over. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I'd agree with you. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you because yeah, because they're going to die. Like they could die any second. They could they could be dying right now, <laughs> essentially. Um, okay. Anyways, that that's an interesting thing. The the Rolling Stones are back to touring, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um. All right, Eric. I've won. Oh, um, I already put the title up on the screen. But uh, Rolling Stone magazine has released their 2021 list of 500 greatest songs uh, of all time. Uh, so I think they do it on a yearly basis now. Uh, but uh, they always release like the greatest songs ever. Now, Eric, I want to, we're obviously, we don't have the time to go through all 500. That would take forever. Uh, but I do have uh, the top 10 uh, listed. So I've got Ooh. them on the screen now. So we're going to go from 10 to one. Okay. And I just want to get your reaction on this. But number 10 is Hey Ya by Outkast. I'm lukewarm about that one. Yeah, the, like that's that's surprising that made the list of top ten, like top yeah. five hundred for sure. I would definitely have that mm -hmm. somewhere in the top five hundred. But top ten songs of all time, "Hey Ya" by Outkast, is a very interesting choice to me. <laughs> that is interesting because I love that song. I think that song's great, mm -hmm. but I don't I don't know if it belongs on top ten. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Number nine, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I would I would consider maybe, that, yeah. Maybe. Uh, number eight, I have an issue with. Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott is at number no. eight. Uh, I'd shot, shotgun that right out of the list. <laughs> that <laughs> is, it is a great, don't get me wrong. Missy Elliott's great. Get Your Freak On is a great song, but it's a mm. pretty, like, when it was released, it wasn't. There were no such things as memes. But if you listen to it now, it's a very <laughs> meme -y song, right? Like parts of the song, she's talking backwards, right? Like it's it's her uh, her rap line, but in reverse, which I think is genius. But like, it's sort of gimmicky at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So get your freak on by Miss Elliot at number eight is. I think a terrible choice uh, to be showing up in the top 10. Yeah. I don't even think it should be in top hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely not the top hundred. Uh, okay. I have a big issue with this one at number yes, seven. I do too. Strawberry, so... strawberry fields forever. Out of by all the Beatles. the Beatles songs, out of all the Beatles songs you could choose. Why are you choosing this one? <laughs> like they're basically saying that like, it's better than let it be. It's better than yesterday. It's better yeah. than here comes um, the sun. Yeah. Yeah. While my guitar gently weep. Like there are so many better songs. <laughs> There's like, I don't know why strawberry fields forever is. Even I can make considered. a top. I can make a top 10 Beatles songs <laughs> that are better than this one. <laughs> this is a terrible choice. For, yeah. Like it's not even in the top 10 best Beatles songs. Ever. Yeah. There's no, no way. Absolutely not. Uh, number six is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. I feel, again, they could have chosen a better Marvin Gaye song. Yes, I completely agree. 
What's yeah. Going On is a great song. And uh, mm-hmm. message-wise, I think it's a very important song. But there are better. There are better Marvin Gaye songs. Yes. Yeah, absolutely there are. Number five, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Nirvana. <laughs> okay, great song, but I don't, I, again, I don't think it belongs on a top 10. Yeah. It, okay, here's the thing with Smells Like Teen Spirit. Like, from um, like a zeitgeist perspective, like from a cultural perspective, that is a big song, right? That's like ushered in the grunge era. But is it absolutely the best song? Forget best song. Is it the best Nirvana song? There's no way. Like no. Ra- Rape Me by Nirvana, uh, Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana, All yep. Apologies, Come As You Are. Like those are better yeah. songs than Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, I agree. Smells Like Teen Spirit I, is just Carry On My Wayward Son ripoff, right? Like it's the same <laughs> <yeah>. riff. <laughs> <laughs> but without the crazy guitar play. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I, I, it's just odd. That's That's the one that's like up there. Mm-hmm. And number five doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Number four, like a Rolling Stone, Bob Dylan. I would say, yeah, that would have a better shot out of all of these. Yeah, at being at its place, like a Rolling Stone, probably a top three, top five Bob Dylan song. So I could, I could see the yeah. argument for that one. Yeah, but again, I feel like again, there's <clears throat> there's better Bob Dylan songs. <laughs> Yeah, blowing in the wind for me is gonna top. Uh, yeah, that one. blowing in the wind is such a like. I would put that top three. Blowing yeah. in the wind. Times are changing. I would put that on top two. I don't know. Um, number three, a change is gonna come by Sam Cooke. It's a good tune, but does it belong? I'm gonna agree to that one. At number three, a change is gonna come by Sam Cooke. I don't think you get hmm. a better. This song can transcend when it came came out. Hmm, it came okay. out in what? 1956, I think. 57. Somewhere there. But if you listen to that today, it still resonates. The message in that song still hmm. resonates and Sam Cooke's performance on that song is you don't get better singing hmm. ever, right? Okay. Production I'll, I'll wise, agree with you. Production wise, that, that song still holds <laughs> up. It still sounds fantastic. Uh, yeah i would this this is the one song i think that belongs here okay for me you convinced me i (laughs) i agree with you (laughs) Uh, okay this pains me but number two is fight the power by public enemy now i've never heard this song so i can't say (laughs) wow i don't think i've heard this one no I, I'm sure you have i it's 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 the one where uh Chuck D says that um Elvis was uh, was boring and um I forget the line now, but basically he he rags on basically like these big white celebrities who took black culture and 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 did their own thing like Elvis did mm-hmm. made a big stealing black culture essentially so elvis gotcha. and and all that. Uh, that's that's the famous line from Fight the Power. Now, as a huge fan of Public Enemy, they are like my top four bands of all time for me, maybe top three, depending on the day. Mm. And I think Chuck D is my favorite rapper of all time. Fight the Power by Public Enemy does not belong on the top ten list of greatest songs of all time. Mm. 
From a message perspective, from a cultural perspective, sure, this song had huge cultural impact, uh, especially in the mainstream, because it's just like a shot to the face when, when this song came out. But it's production-wise, this song sounds like trash today. It's not good. It's <laughs> not a good song today. Uh, lyrically, it's still it's still translates today like you could listen to it today and just like still get what the point of that song was uh so i have no problems lyrically what this what the song represents or how it was delivered it's just production wise this song does not hold up today so i don't think it belongs on this list at all i think this is this is like the reason why this song specifically is catapulted up to this high on this list i think it's part of this like woke culture today because everyone's like Mm. oh you have to be more culturally aware, more sensitive to to issues, which Fight the Power, when it came out in 93, I think? No, 86, 1986, I think it came out. This was like woke culture back then, right? Mm -hmm. But this actually had like impact and like there was an importance to it. But because of today's, like we need to be more sensitive to all these things, I think it just it boosted this song up the list because there's like, Oh, we need to, we need to show that we care about the minorities. <laughs> we need to show that we care about the disenfranchised. Right. And we're, we're going to yeah. put fight the power by public enemy at number two, because it has an important message mm-hmm. that everyone needs to hear. But from a, from a songwriting perspective, this song is not, is not, doesn't belong here in the top 10 top mm-hmm. 500. Sure. I'll put it, I'll give it top 500, but, at number two, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way. Um, oh, man. And then at number one, the greatest song of all time by Rolling Stone magazine is Respect by Aretha Franklin. Eric, your thoughts. <sighs> I'm going to preemptively like be... put, uh, I'm, I'm increasing the counter to three controversial statements because I know I'm going to say something that's very offensive <laughs> to everyone. But I, Eric, you I, go I, first. So I like Aretha Franklin. I think she's great. But again, like, like if, if that's what this, like you can see the genre of, of just bleeding hearts out of this list of songs, but are they the, you know, the top 10 songs of all time? Like, where's your candle in the wind? Right. Yeah. Like, 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 you know what I mean? I feel like Aretha Franklin should be on the list, but I don't think she should be number one. Mm, Okay. Here's my, I'm going to just say this respect, respect by Aretha Franklin is not a well-written song. There's (laughs) my controversial statement for, for this segment. I don't think that song is very well-written. I, it's, if, we are going to us isolate this for like for performance. If we're talking about best mm-hmm. vocal perform best performance by any musician, I think Respect by Aretha Franklin could be at number one because mm-hmm. her her vocals on this song, who can match that, right? Mm-hmm. From a performance perspective. But I think this song, I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a very well-written song because it has this weird, when it goes into the R-E-S-B-E-C-T section of that song, it sort of jumps out of nowhere and it doesn't build, right? They Mm -hmm. have this main verse chorus part of the song and then somehow that R-E-S-B-E-C-T bridge comes in and then they just never come back to it. 
I think they could yeah. have done more with that because it's so catchy. That specific section is so catchy and they should have just flown with that, made it like the bigger chorus at the very end or something like that. I agree. I, I don't know. I just think this song is not a well-written song. As catchy as it is and as great of a performance that Aretha Franklin has on the song, I just don't think it's a good song. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, if you're going to choose an Aretha Franklin song, I feel like there's another better song that you can choose. Like if she has to be number one, but you know, what the hell do we know? Maybe for uh, Christmas, like we did our top 10 albums, we should do our top 10 top, favorite songs. Top 10 of songs all of all time. Oh yeah, we could mm. do that. Yeah. Anyways. And then we can show how an actual list will be created. Rolling Stones. <laughs> like Actually. it boggles me that like Pink Floyd's not on this, on this top 10. Yep. Like Pink Floyd, like maybe comfortably numb or like, mm-hmm. I don't know. This it seems like the obvious choice to me to oh, be on the top ten. There's so many songs that should be on this. Yeah, the only aren't. one I agree with is Sam Cooke. A change is gonna come. That's the only one yeah. I agree with on this list. Again, I I I, felt, I feel like there's a, like I agree Sam Cooke should be on the list, but I feel like there's there's another better Sam Cooke song. But you did convince me. Yeah, you did uh, convince me. Yeah. Okay. No, I I would agree with you. There are better. Sam Cooke songs, but it's the messaging, it's the song plus the messaging in the song that makes it top mm-hmm. tier. Which you, which you hit on the head by saying like about respect, like like okay, like it's well performed, but mm-hmm. if you're gonna choose these as your top ten best songs of all time, it has to encompass everything else in it. It can't just be like oh. You know, we're going to choose a Juicy Fruit song because it's so damn catchy. Yeah, you, you can't know. you can't just isolate 30 seconds of a song and say, this is mm-hmm. the best 30 seconds ever written, so this is the best mm-hmm. song ever. But you can't. It has yeah. to be from front to end. Yeah. But, oh. Anyways. So, Very um, yeah, that's the Rolling Stones' 500 greatest songs. <laughs> we this- obviously agree with this list, guys. <laughs> like, look how much we agree with this <laughs> Uh, all right. Anyways, all right, here we go. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so here we go. <laughs> here we go again. <sighs> all right. So we're gonna talk about Metallica. And full disclosure, this is my favorite band of all time. Um, and it's going Be to pain prepared. me. It's gonna pain me to talk about the Black Album because I have a lot of interesting opinions about it. But here we go. The self-titled album Metallica. Oh, hold on. I need to get the picture on the screen. There it is. The self-titled album, Metallica, commonly referred to as the Black Album, is the fifth studio album by one of the big four Bay Area thrash metal bands called Metallica. Produced by Bob Rock, it was released on August 12, 1991, and would go on to sell over 30 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling albums of all time. It would go on to spend a total of 550 weeks on Billboard 200, making it only the second album ever to do so. Um, And then, once we're done with the Black Album, uh, and then to present day, the Metallica Blacklist was released... On September 10th, 2021, uh, the album features covers of songs from the Black Album from over 50 artists in various styles, uh, and all profits from this album are donated to the band's All Within My Hands Foundation, as well as charities of each contributing artist's choice. 
Uh, so Eric, we're going to start off with our review of the Black Album by Metallica, and then we are going to discuss our top five songs off the Metallica Blacklist. So Eric, let's do it. The Black Album, your thoughts on this one. Uh, so again, like th- this is, I'm not a crazy huge metal fan. Like I'm starting to dabble in it a little bit more, like with my buddy Ben there and, you know, on this podcast, listening to, you know, a bit more music outside my realm. But Metallica is one of those bands, which I've always loved like, I love this album. I think this album is great. Uh, I'm very intrigued to hear what you have to say about this because, I remember you talking about this back in the past. Um, so I, I mean, like Enter Sandman, it's I feel like it's overplayed. Yes, a it bit is. like every band covers it, right? Just like it's it's just over the top played. Although I like the song, like it's a it is a good song, like but it's just way overplayed. Uh, I I think the best song on this album is Nothing Else Matters. I think that's probably one of my favorite songs on this album, which I'm curious to hear what yours is. Uh, But I mean, like, this is like perfect. Like if you were into like heavy rock, like this is just that perfect album to kind of just like push you into the metal realm kind of thing. Cause it's that just that bit heavier. I did find it funny because uh, uh, there's a jazz YouTuber. I follow Lucas Brar and, uh, He's a jazz guitar player, and he does jazz covers of Metallica sometimes. And then he always has like he puts a, like a long hair wig on at the beginning, and he's like, "Play some Metallica, man!" And he does that rah, thing from <laughs> from the songs, which I can't get out of my head because that happens a lot on this album. But uh, but overall, like I enjoyed it. Like it's a good like rock album i know there's some people out there that classify this as classic rock which i don't know why i mean maybe it's old enough at this point Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah overall like like you got hollow uh hollow than that oh or hold sorry holier than now jesus christ (laughs) don't tread on me is another good tune I i really like on this album as well but but yeah what is your opinion just gonna say it out loud. Uh, Metallica's "The Black Album" is one of the most overrated albums of all time, <laughs> if not the like most we, overrated album of all time. I feel like we need that horn from Grown Up Gaming. <laughs> <laughs> bam, 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 bam. <laughs> just because Kem said just something so outrageous out there to Metallica fans. Uh, here's the thing, okay? So this is Metallica's fifth studio album, okay? So before that, their debut, Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Justice for All. All four albums, with, with the exception of Master of Puppets, I think, had their issues with it. However, all four of those albums I would consider better than the Black Album. Those are the first four albums by Metallica are just classic thrash metal at its peak. Like, you don't get better musicianship in in thrash metal just in general in in music than those first four albums once you get to the black album by metallica it's a it's a watered down bland (laughs) commercial version of those first four albums and maybe this Hmm. wasn't their intention but uh 
if it was, it, they nailed it perfectly. But this album, to me, when I listen to it, it is, I wouldn't say it's selling out, but it's trying to reach a bigger audience than they currently had at the time, which was basically the metal underground. Uh, and it's trying to reach the masses by simplifying arrangements, by simplifying riffs, uh, putting big, like, big production that the reason why they brought Bob Rock in is to make them sound like Montley Crue essentially um mm. it's to get that big sound that big nice polished band uh stadium rock sound uh and i don't like this album at all <laughs> <laughs> interesting ken <laughs> there- <laughs> Here's the thing. The B side of this album is pretty good. I'm mm-hmm. I the struggle within the very last song. I think is is a phenomenal song. Uh, it's fast. It's heavy. It's great. Uh, my friend of misery is uh, ex bass player Jason Newstead. Uh, his only writing contributions uh, to this album. Originally, that song was supposed to be an instrumental, uh, but uh, they decided to take that. Uh, and make it into a full song. I think that song is actually very good. Um, and if you are talking about Metallica ballads, uh, the best Metallica ballad that they've ever written on, is on this album, which is The Unforgiven. That is... Uh, I don't think they can... It's better than Fade to Black. And maybe that's my con- the super controversial statement because Fade to Black is one of those like holy songs... Uh, that no one can touch for for Metallica fans, uh, mm. but I think the Unforgiven is just a phenomenal uh, song slash ballad by Metallica. But mm. overall, this album for me is just bland. It's just overproduced <laughs> and just watered down. Like Enter Sandman is a mm. is the riff cool. It sounds nice, but like. It's very simple. It is very simple. It is very simple. It's like one of the first songs you learn on guitar. <laughs> yeah. And maybe simple isn't bad, but for me, when you listen to the first four records of Metallica and then you come to Enter Sandman, it's just like, okay, you guys have regressed. <laughs> <laughs> I I can see that, though. Like, like you have, like, just even alone like i don't know metallica too well as you do but like master of puppets yeah for instance right like like you take a song like that and uh i don't even know what song you would compare that to on this album there's but no comparable like, there's no comparable. yeah but like i mean if you're if you're assuming popularity of the song from the album then you would probably choose enter sandman just based off popularity of each album. But like, again, like listen to master of puppets versus Enter Sandman. It's very, very different. Yeah. It's completely different. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I sort of get, like, I understand why the black album, the approach they went with the black album. I understand why they did it because coming out of injustice for all, which was their previous album to this, it was very progressive. Like there were, there were nine minute songs on that record. The last song on that record was Dyer's Eve. And it is like a mind fuck in terms of counting, which is for Metallica is not a thing that they normally do because they play in four, four primarily. 
uh, but mm-hmm. it's like synchronized like hits like drum bass guitar and it goes on for like minutes where they're just synchronizing shot notes and it's madness so like mm-hmm. I, I I get why they would have wanted to simplify things because it's like trying to play that live on stage every single night must have been a nightmare but <laughs> <laughs> but for me when I listen to this record it's just it sounds nice it's very well produced. You can't deny uh, mm-hmm. what Bob Rock did on this record. It just made every the whole band sound really big and heavy. Uh, yeah. But I, I, it's just watered down for me when I compare it against mm-hmm. the other the other records. It's just it's not there. I will say though, sad but true. That's pretty heavy. It's a pretty mm-hmm. heavy song. Um, it is a pretty heavy song. Yeah, it's it's one of the few Metallica songs, at least up to this point, that's in drop D, which is hilarious to me because you think a metal band would know how to drop D on uh, on their guitars, but yeah, Sabbath mm-hmm. True, Bob Rock apparently came in and was like, "Hey, Black Sabbath dropped down to to D. Why don't you guys do it?" And they're like, "What's drop D?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Sabbath mm-hmm. True I think is a great song. But anyways, um. Not to say that the Black Album is a terrible album. Obviously, it's it's miles above a lot of other records uh, that are complete shit. But mm-hmm. um, for me, it's just comparing it against the first four records by Metallica. It's not even it's not yes. even a contest for me. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, that's my thoughts on the on the uh, the Black Album by Metallica. So, Eric, uh, final thoughts and ratings before we go into the blacklist. All right, so uh, final thoughts. I think that I like this album. I think it's pretty good. I, I understand what you're saying, though, just with this going to like a simplistic style of playing after four albums of just, it's like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> right? I can completely understand that, especially like, you know, you, you see it with other bands too, right? Like, like they'll come up with like a popular version of a song, like an album, and you're just like, what the hell is this? This isn't freaking what I listened to before um granted that being said i think this is a perfect album if you're really wanting to get introduced into metal um and it just sounds crazy too heavy for you and you Mm. and you're uh, nonsense i feel like this is like the perfect introduction because if you like this then you can start looking at other things that are heavier it's like a nice little like gateway gateway uh, album to uh metal uh so with that being said i feel like my rating is going to be a lot higher than yours <laughs> so i'm going to give this album an eight out of ten. Oh, eight, eight, eight out of ten okay okay mm-hmm. okay um so yeah like it's not a it's not a bad record it's in my mind it is not a great record uh but i do agree with you it is a gateway record if you're gonna try to get into metal this is a great record to start off with um because it's it sort of saddles that line of hard rock and and actual metal, so um, mm. it definitely is a very good gateway record. Um, for me, though, it gets a it gets a six point five out of ten for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's gr- It's produced wonderfully. There are uh, there are definitely songs on this record you need to. It's like must listen to uh, mm-hmm. if you're if you're a fan of Metallica. I think Un- the Unforgiven is a great song by them, uh, regardless of how mm-hmm. how unmetal it is, uh, quote unquote. Uh, but uh, yeah, six point five out of ten is the highest I could probably give it. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The biggest Metallica fan of all. <laughs> Crapping on probably one of their best their albums that people think. <laughs> yeah, their biggest album that sold yeah. 30 plus million copies. I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. it's. Yeah. I'm not saying that Metallica shouldn't experiment and, and do other things. Mm-hmm. I, like, uh, when it comes to the records after the Black Album, Load and Reload, they go like way off the edge where they have like a country ballad on, on the freaking record and like they start playing like blues songs on it, like blues rock on, on the record. Um, I can completely appreciate like the stylistic changes. I just don't think this was, I think it was a watered down version of what they've done in the past. Uh, whereas yeah. if they came out with like a bluegrass record, I'd be like, cool. I can I can judge this on that merit alone. Uh, but mm-hmm. this is in the realm of heavy. So I need to compare it against heavy. No, that's that's completely fair. Uh, all right, Eric. Quickly now, the blacklist. This is the uh, this is the uh, fifty. However many songs, I don't even remember anymore. Uh-huh. There's fifty crazy artists on this. Uh, we're gonna do a top five quickly. Uh, what are your top five songs off of the Metallica blacklist? All right, so starting from number five, and we're yeah, starting, go for it. starting yeah. that way. Okay, so number five, uh, I kind of went with the you know d- different style to the, to the record, and and I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, like listening to this album front and back, you can't do it. You actually can't do it. It's it's actually torture. It's, it's a nightmare because like I, I I like I found myself sometimes zoning out, and then all of a sudden it would be like a slower version of Enter Sandman, and it was like almost like haunting my, my brain. Uh, so yes. Um, with that being said, number five, uh, holier than thou, uh, the cover by the chats. I thought, really? <laughs> yes. Cause I thought it was, I thought it was a unique spin. It's like that punk yeah. kind of version. I thought it was kind of neat. I'm not going to uh, lie. Okay. I, I could see it. I just, I listened to it and I was like, uh, this is sort of off key. I'm going to skip it's simple. this one. It's a simple yeah. like punk. It's like if the Ramones did it, like <laughs> you know, like it's nothing yeah. crazy or special. But I, yeah. I kind of liked how they just, you know, we're gonna play what we play, and kind of like that. I respected that. Okay, okay. Uh, so number four, uh, I'm gonna have to say the opening on this album, the Enter Sandman version by Alessia Cara and The Warning. Okay. Yep. I thought she had a sick voice. Uh, for the song, I thought it was well done. It was kind of almost like theatrical in some parts, which mm-hmm. I liked. I thought it, I thought it was great. Uh, yeah. Great opener for the album. <laughs> after it listening is. to, uh, like you know what, how many more, like seven more <laughs> Enter Sandman <laughs> covers. Eric, before you but, go on to the next song, uh, so Alessia Cara, Canadian so- singer songwriter, uh, and the warning. Uh, for those of you mm-hmm. who haven't seen them on YouTube, they're basically a, a Mexican all sister band. They went viral like years ago with a cover of Enter Sandman when they were like twelve or something. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's very interesting that they got them to uh, do. Uh, an official cover of Enter Sandman on this record, but uh, I do yeah. agree it's 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 a great cover. Uh, the other one, which you would I I feel like you would think that this would come on my list. Uh, it's the cover of Sad but True by Jason uh, Isbell and the Four Hundred Unit. That blues cover, I remember it coming on, and I thought it 
auto switched to one of my blues <laughs> albums and then they started i was like oh no way <laughs> that is so cool uh it's just a very bluesy dirty gritty blues mm-hmm. uh version of sad but true which i thought fit perfectly it was great all right uh so now coming my, into that was on my short list it didn't make oh, it nice. to my top five but it was on my short list. <laughs> Uh, so the next one I'm going to choose, uh, which uh, he's my boy. Like he's my country boy. I love this guy. And I know what uh, you're going to say. Chris Stapleton. And I disagree. <laughs> Nothing else. Are you kidding? <laughs> disagree. But no, get, uh, continue. I'll, I'll take your uh, points. So nothing else matters. Like if you like country music, like I, as much as I do, uh, Chris Stapleton just does it so well. Like he's one of those modern musicians Mm-hmm. in country music that just plays like true grit country and and i felt like like at some parts that you could see i like i would agree like some parts could be boring but i i felt like it was a unique like twist because you don't really hear country versions of of metallica songs mm-hmm. so now number one number one cam is also a nothing else matters okay cover and i'm gonna have to choose Miley Cyrus is uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I get I get why you would choose that. That's that's where they put all their money into. They put Elton John in. They put Yo Yo Ma. They put Miley Cyrus. Like this <laughs> is the this is the lead single that's gonna sell this album. Uh, yes, yeah. and I think it does it well. Like I I felt I feel like Miley Cyrus does better at covering songs than she does at writing her own. <laughs> That's going on the controversial <laughs> statement probably, but I don't care. There you go. Yeah. But I, I feel I feel like she has such a good voice. Like and when she plays her her actual own mediocre songs, it doesn't sound as good. Cause like I've I've heard her uh, like cover Jolene. I've heard her cover this. Mm. Like this is like unreal for her vo- vocal range. Like I, I feel like it's unbelievable. You got Elton John. You got Chad Smith on the freaking drums. <laughs> yeah, they just threw all Two. the money at this one. Exactly. Um, some honorable mentions. I feel like Weezer should be up there just because <sighs> they do. They just do a, a good just cover. It's nothing special. They just it's do so a boring. good it's so cover, boring. but. Um, uh, Volbeat did a good one, but I felt like it was too much like the original. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know they're huge Metallica fans. Uh, what else made the uh, list? Um, surprisingly, I, I, you know what? I'm gonna go into the shit ones that I felt were shit. Oh, okay, let's do this. Um, so John Party is one of my favorite country musicians too. He's another modern guy that plays, but wherever I roam. Or wherever I may roam, it, it was just a ah, it's awful. It's an awful cover. <laughs> I don't even um, remember that song. To me, it must have been bad if I don't remember it. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, what was the one I was telling you before? Uh, oh, the morning jacket. I felt like I was at like a Broadway show, just like just a weird Broadway show that it's like, what the hell did I enter? <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, oh, what was the other one that was also terrible? Uh, it was actually god awful. Oh, I felt Ghost's cover of Enter Salmon was pretty trash too. Yeah, I was on the borderline with that one. Like, like, uh, it it was almost like you're sitting around with Grandpa and he's just telling you a story about Enter Sandman. Like that's what I felt. <laughs> I think it was it was the one where it was just 
it was god awful like <clears throat> do i want to say it's the mexican institute of sound really that one that one no, was like the least offensive one. one i thought <laughs> maybe it wasn't that one okay. i can't remember but it, it was awful That's i remember fine. listening to this and it was like what is going on this is like, why did they even choose these people? Okay, if since we're on the topic of the worst songs on this, I do agree with you for the most part on those stuff. The worst one on this record is, um, what's the? I forget the song. It's the one that um, <clears throat> Portugal Demand does. Yeah, that was also uh, terrible too. Here, hold on. Let me figure out what song that was. Portugal Demand did. Where is it? Oh, don't tread on me. Portugal the man, holy crap, that was a piling, smoking pile of garbage. It was <laughs> so bad, I had to turn it off. Oh mm. my lord, that was a horrible cover of just in general of any song. It was terrible. That was the one that stood out <laughs> to me as the worst one on this on this one. Um I'm gonna start off with my honorable mentions. Uh so uh I did like the Sad But True by uh, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. That was a very good cover. Um, <clears throat> there was a cover of The Unforgiven by Jose Madero. He's the former lead singer of Mexican rock band uh, Panda. I thought that was very good. Um, it's very ballady, I would say. It, it was mm. just a showcase of strong vocals, and I thought The Unforgiven, uh, that specific song uh, is very ballady, so that was nice. Uh, mm. another one was, uh, same song, the unforgiven by Moses Sumney. He's a, uh, he's from Ghana. Uh, he's a singer songwriter, uh, also very ballady, but very good. I thought that was great. The weird one that I liked was the unforgiven by cage, the elephant. Yeah, that was kind of unique. That made my shortlist too. Yeah. I listened to it once and like, eh, it's whatever. And I kept listening to it and I was like, Hmm, that's not too bad. That's yeah. An interesting take on this it, song. It's definitely is not like a cage of the elephant sounding song too, oh, which yeah. is yeah. also interesting. Because I had to. Uh, so the other thing, ladies and gentlemen, like w there's so many covers on this that like <laughs> I I forget a little bit sometimes which one is which. But I I remember that one being good by Cage the Elephant. Yeah. Um, another short list. Nothing else matters. Dave Gone. Uh, he's the lead singer of Depeche Mode. So. Just mm -hmm. a very depressing version of Nothing Else Matters, which I thought was very interesting. <laughs> it fits uh, the song. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, the very last track, The Struggle Within, the only cover of the song, uh, Rodrigo Y. Gabriela. Uh, they are a Mexican acoustic guitar duo. I've seen them live. They are great. Uh, it, yeah, it was just an acoustic duel on the song. It was. I, I thought that was a really good song. Uh, and uh, Saba True by YB. They're a South Korean rock band. Uh, I just mm. thought they were they were pretty good. I, I don't know. I didn't really. I wasn't like amazed by it, but I just thought it was a really good cover of Sabbath True. Uh, a bit mm. more swingy, a bit more punk uh, riff to it, but it was great. I thought. All right, right my on. top five. I it. technically have a top six because I couldn't whittle <laughs> it down to five. So I'm gonna of course, go. Of you broke the rules. Yeah, you broke the rules. My number six, "Through the Never" by Tommy. Oh, oh, she's a Nigerian female soul singer and songwriter. Uh, when I tried to figure out who she was, it literally, she doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Uh, and what I could find out is like, she released a solo album a few years ago and it wasn't very successful. That's literally what her bio <laughs> is. So I don't know how she 
she even ended up on this record, but I thought Through the Never by her was like phenomenal. It's just nice. a great cover. Uh, I don't remember it, that one. It's a little, um, it's a little bit electronic, but um, it's definitely slowed down, not as heavy, um, but it's ballady, I would say a bit. Hmm. Um, my number five, same song, Through the Never, The Who, the H-U. They're a Mongolian throat-singing folk metal band. That was actually um, kind of a cool one. That was, I love, I love The Who. Every time they put out a song, it's great. Uh, but their cover, <laughs> Through the Never, wonderful. I love that one. Uh, number four, Enter Sandman by Rina Sawayama. Uh, we've, mm. I've actually talked about her on this podcast before. Uh, her song, STFU. Uh, I thought was phenomenal. Um, but I, I don't know her cover of enter Sandman. It was, it's like as if Ramstein did it. It was an industrial <laughs> version of enter Sandman and I was digging it. It just Fair made enough. it heavier. I, I didn't, I didn't care for that version. Oh, no. really? Yeah. I didn't care for that one. Cause I was listening to it. I was like, this is heavy. This is heavier than the original. I, I just <laughs> love that take on it because I always thought Enter Sandman was a bit bland. Um, so making it heavier, I was like, I dig this. Uh, at my number three spot, I ha- this I'm matching with you, Enter Sandman by Alessia Cara and The Warning. I just think that's a great cover. And then at the end, when they come back into the main, uh, main riff, uh, when yep. they've sort of uh, done different versions of it throughout the whole song, it's like, that's perfect. It's great. Yeah. Uh, number two spot, My Friend of Misery by... Kamasai Washington. He's an American jazz mm. saxophonist. This is a, a jazz fusion, just craziness of My Friend of Misery. And I love it because My Friend of Misery originally was intended to be an instrumental. So changing that to a jazz fusion is like, I love this cover. I just love mm-hmm. this cover. Um, and then the final one, and I've mentioned this before, uh, I guess it might not be a surprise to most people, but my number one spot is going to the unforgiven by ha Ash, who is a Latin pop duo. I just love this cover of the unforgiven. It is, it is as quintessential pop version, uh, of the unforgiven, but when they throw in the, um, the Mexican lyrics or the Spanish lyrics at the end. It's it's the best song on this on this compilation. <laughs> I just love this one. I can't stop listening. No. Oh. Uh, okay. Anyways, that's 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 my top six. That was your top five. Um, I don't think we should really give it a rating because like this thing's unlistenable. Yeah, you can't I, listen to this. I would if you're gonna listen to this, just pick and choose the ones you want to listen to. Right. Every once in a while, <laughs> don't don't. Just don't listen to it front and back because you will be thoroughly because I made the mistake of listening to this first and then listening to the black album. Oh shit. And I was like I was just like I just oh god. I like I had to put my feelings aside in the moment because I was literally gonna give the black album like a one out of ten because I just, <laughs> just I'm sick and tired of listening to Enter Sandman and nothing the, else matters. There's twelve covers of nothing else matters in a row on this yeah. right on this. It's yeah, they don't spread much. it out. Like, I, I like the idea that they had, and and like just because of the artists. Like, obviously, all these bands have, you know, Metallica's one of their influences, or else they wouldn't have wanted to do this, right? So I just feel like they could have reduced it. <laughs> they could have reduced it a bit, but 
Yeah. But then on on the same thing, like like you know, pay homage to the, to the people that you know that support you. So. Yeah. yeah, and all proceeds go to charity. So. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> Anyways, the overall experience for the blacklist was. Eh, exhausting it was, yeah it was a bit exhausting it was like this is a lot of <laughs> the same song over and over again but there were uh, a decent amount of gems on this uh, mm-hmm. compilation and i i did like how like even though there were a couple bands like weezer that just played the song like almost verbatim uh i <laughs> I, I just I, I i did like even out of the songs that i didn't like i did like the idea that they just went out and did their own version of it and mm. it sounded nothing like the the original which i which i kind of like i i will give them kudos to that um wonderful okay well that was our review of metallica's black album and also the metallica blacklist uh quite the whirlwind of everything and growing up gaming is giving us question marks so we must have said something oh did you guys listen to the album straight or on (laughs) shuffle (laughs) Uh, we gone senile <laughs> yeah straight we both did it straight which we're probably dumb to do that is terrible well you can't put it on shuffle because you might miss a song so yeah yeah we had to do it straight <laughs> that's a bad idea that's how don't... that's how committed we are to you guys the fans <laughs> don't do what we do is ridiculous as a metallica fan i was like this is too much <laughs> uh okay wonderful um all right, so that's pretty much the end of our show. Uh, Eric, off the top of your head, do you remember what album we're doing for next week? Because I don't remember. I actually don't. <laughs> that's, that's what you're for, Cam. Okay, hold on. I'm going to turn off your camera for a second because okay. I'm just afraid. I'm going to dox myself. I'm going to quickly look at uh, the notes and then figure out what album we have coming up. Um, but for those of you who have stuck around with us till the end, uh, thanks for tuning in. We're currently on our mm-hmm. Thursday schedule here at twitch.tv slash the crossroads music podcast. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple music, come join us here at Twitch, uh, to be part of the live chat and yell at us. Uh, cause that is a lot of fun. Uh, also join Tell the discord. Bad our opinion is. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, Apparently, Rolling Stone magazine does not share the same uh, opinions as we do. Exactly. Surprise, surprise. Blasphemy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And join the Discord because, you know, we have a whole channel there that we we talk about music uh, from time to time there also. Uh, The next album that we are going to be reviewing uh, for next Thursday will be Iron Maiden's new album, Senjutsu. Yes, that's right. That should be fun. So yes, Senjutsu will be good. the album we'll be reviewing next week. So come come join us uh, and listen to our thoughts on that record. Um, cool. I think that's about it, Eric. I think that's the end of our show. Yeah. Any anything else? Uh, yeah, I got nothing else. Wonderful. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining in and listening to us. We will catch you all next time, next Thursday. Peace. Peace.